Retain Podcast. Hey, Gang Retain. I wanted to tell you about I Digress, which is hosted by Troy Sandage and brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. It's got shows under 30 minutes, and it helps to eliminate complexity, complications, and confusion in your business uh, through a series of frameworks and strategies. Um, he talks all about scalable and sustainable success. He hits on things like marketing, sales, customer success, and more. So go check out I Digress and listen to I Digress wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of uh, CS Blueprint. We're actually here on a Wednesday. Christy, I can see your dog in the background. I know. She's, she's, all, she's all being cuddly. We have the fireplace going for her. So she's we, so we recorded our, our first new version last week, um, sans Christy. She was um, out, not feeling well. Now she's back. I am. Fully recovered, feeling recharged. Jay, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. I'm feeling awesome. good. Ready to go. Energized. All right. So we're going we're gonna to keep rolling with the new format. Um, and really, the genesis of this is just that we wanted to um, bring topics, companies, people from the customer success world, and just kind of talk through them. We've all done different research on different things, which I think is the fun part. So it's, we all get to learn a little bit of everything. So um, Jay, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? There was an article that um, made you think over the last week since we've been talking um, and I just opened it right now. So maybe give us the, give us the Genesis. What is this? Yeah. What are you looking at? So, so the, um, the article that I've, I've, ran across and I can't remember who posted. I, I, I can't take credit for finding it myself, of course, but um, a guy named Jeff Moore, Jeffrey Moore. And if you never heard of Jeffrey Moore, he wrote a book back in, I want to say the nineties, late nineties, early two thousands uh, called crossing the chasm. And if you're in software and in SAS, Christy, have you read this book? I haven't. I do have it on my bookshelf, but I haven't read it. You got to read it. I mean, 1991, by the way, good God. Okay. It's, it's, a lot older than I thought it was, but it's sort of, it's one of those timeless books. And in the, the concept in this book is that there's an adoption bell curve. Okay. And it's called crossing the chasm because, uh, well, I'll, I'll explain the, 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 the chunk. So whenever you're launching something new, the idea is that there, there's a, there's a small percentage. If you, if you sort of think about a bell curve on the far left, there's a small percentage of people, two to 3% of people who will be innovators and who are interested in being on the cutting edge and want to know what this thing is all about that you're launching. So think about all the new products that we see launching in the customer success world and the SaaS world in general. The, the innovators will pick those things up first because they just want to be in the know about it. Then you have this thing called early adopters. Those are the folks probably, probably more like us here, like we're, we're running businesses. We're looking for innovations. We're looking for ways to get ahead ways to be more efficient. So we're going to look at these tools and, and, and maybe grab them early to see if we can get a little bit of a competitive advantage. Between early adopters and, well, the next chunk is called early majority. So this is, think about the top of the bell curve here where a lot of people are starting to pile into this platform or product or whatever it is. In between early adopters and early majority is what he calls the chasm. And that is that is going from those people who are just the innovative thinkers who always are going to do the next new thing and be early adopters of platforms. Think of the first people on Facebook. Think of the first people, um, you know, on salesforce.com when it first launched or even the products that we run, right? A community or client success platforms. But then you got the early majority and they say, okay, well, this is working. Now I actually, I need this thing. I see it working in these early adopters. Now I've got to go have it. But there's a chasm there. You got to make that leap. And this is where um, 
you know, I, I talk a lot when you think about markets um, and like customer references and case studies and that kind of thing, you always want customers who reference one another, right? Who, 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 who look at another business and say, that is like me, right? That, that company is like me. So I will trust what they are saying about whatever product it is. Like that's the kind of references we want to provide. That concept came out of this book. And it's just something that's like ingrained in my brain for the past 15 years. Um, but anyway, early majority, then you've got the late majority, the people who are, are going to adopt only when it's safe, right? And then you've got the laggards, the people who are like, okay, well, I'm finally going to get an iPhone because everybody's on an iPhone and I'm, I'm the only one literally that doesn't have an iPhone. So anyway, it's sort of like a timeless concept. Um, crossing the chasm is the book. It, 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 it applies in all sorts of facets of technology innovation or even, even new company, new companies, new fads, new brands. Um, anyway, he, he wrote um, an interesting article on LinkedIn, Jeff Moore did, about it actually is about customer success. And the point he made is, I mean, and you could go, you could go read it. It sort of talks through how SaaS disrupted the entire software industry. Uh, starting with, you know, many people won't remember this that listen to this podcast, but there was a time when we sold software, you had to put it in a data center. So you not only had to go buy the software, you had to go buy the hardware and buy the place to, to put it and host it. And like that all went away, right? And it broke, SaaS broke down so many barriers in the industry to adoption of technology. But his point now is that the, the, the world has been paved over with software, right? Both from a large horizontal software provider perspective. And then also from now we see in vertical markets, like there's nowhere that software doesn't exist to, 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 to close a nook or a cranny, solve a very specific problem for a very specific industry. But the cool thing, so, so the point he made in the article, which I thought was really cool, because this guy who's like godfather of software and technology adoption, um, talks about customer success as the like defining uh, way of, of moving from competing on features, features and capabilities to competing on the outcomes themselves, right? And being the, the company that can provide those outcomes to, um, to a company. So anyway, I just, I think the world of Jeff Moore, this article really piqued my interest um, because you know, he wrote it and he's sort of hitting this customer success angle. So we, we should put this article in the show notes and let people read it for themselves. But I just thought it was cool that he really went into detail about customer success. That yeah, I think cool. it, yeah, I think it, um, that was, but it was good. It was a good uh, description, but I think the thing that it just resonated with me is that, um, and I think this is something that we talk about a lot, all three of us is like customer success is part of the solution, right? Like people think of, uh, like the, they think of the product and the software. And I think we've always thought of it like, you know, customer success comes along, like is actually packaged in there with that. And it is something that is tangible. It's valuable. Um, and we can make it something that's durable. Um, and so I think about it like that, like that just resonated with me because it makes me continue to think down that path of like, um, you know, we shouldn't be thinking about these things as separate. Like they really should be one and known. And we're like, how do we drive people to outcomes? It's through a series of uh, software. And then it's through a series of events that you have with, um, teams, with programs, with, uh, whether it's digital or human, right. We're, we're kind of building this sphere to help you drive outcomes. And it's through both of those things. I, I would maybe say a little bit differently. The, 
outcome is the product. The software is a tool to help you get there. <laughs> yeah. Right? But increasingly selling an outcome, he actually goes on in this article to talk about the rise of managed services, particularly for small companies that can't, we see this all the time, right? Small companies that can't figure out how to adopt our software because they don't have the manpower to do it. Well, we'll just do it for you. We're going to sell you what the outcome is. Yeah, we're going to use software to get there, but our people are going to actually help you execute on that. I think you see that more and more as more software products get built in these little yeah, What's markets. interesting, and I'm not sure if you guys are seeing the same thing, but something that I see pretty consistently across the board and speaking with a lot of my customers is that they still struggle in getting their customers to articulate what their outcomes look like, right? What are those KPIs that they need to move the needle on in order to deem the partnership a success? And I think that's still an interesting challenge, especially going into this, right? Where he talks about, you know, the KPI is the bottom line, right? And this is how economists are thinking about this and the value of customer success transcending into the outcomes model, which I, I, I couldn't agree more with, but it's still, it's still fascinating to see the disconnect in our ability to get our customers to clearly come into the partnership articulating that. And it's something that we've been putting a lot of time and effort around here at Client Success. I'm sure you guys are doing something similar at Higher Logic, but really helping guide our customers because without an understanding of what those KPIs are and those outcomes, we're never going to get to this state. I think that is a really huge point because yeah, I, I just read through, um, I joked the other day because I, uh, with Jay, I, I read through like 70 or 80 resumes for a couple of roles that I have open on my teams. And you saw a lot of activity bullet points. I ran QBRs, I did X and there was no, and, and they weren't tying the activities they were doing to the outcomes that they were helping customers achieve or the outcomes they're helping their business achieve. And so it, it's like this thread that you just pulled for me as well, where like, how do we help our employees and our teams and our coworkers understand like, what are our business objectives? How do we tie that? Um, like, what are we really trying to achieve? How do we prioritize those things? Like all of that matters so much more. Like I, early in your career, you're always like, why is the CEO repeating himself a hundred times in this one meeting? Or like, why in every meeting do we start with these um, like core objectives we're trying to achieve? And then as you get further along in your career and, you're, and you become a leader, I think you start to realize that like, oh, we need to reinforce these things in every single conversation we have, because think yes. about it, you know, a company goes from five people to 10 people now to 400 to 500 to a thousand. Like you need to have a simple message that resonates all the way down and that people then can again, kind of like all triangulate around. So, um, that was, I think that's a huge point, Christy, that, that, that doesn't happen enough. The prioritization around what we're trying to achieve. And then also how to articulate like what we're achieving is driving business value. I think it needs to start earlier, right? So how do we get our websites, our marketing materials, the content we're creating to start talking about the outcomes we drive instead of the things that we do and then crystallize that in the sales process so that when we do have the privilege of partnering with these amazing brands, we are very clear on what that looks like. And I feel like six months into a partnership, if I asked you know, some CSMs across every you know, vertical and different SaaS companies, they would struggle to articulate the goals of their customers. Even the best CSMs, right? If I said, do you know the goals of every single customer in your book of business? I'd be surprised if they had 10%. You know, one of the, one of the, one of the key moments of truth in the customer journey is always the transition from sales to customer success. And you think like, how could you possibly sell software without understanding what those goals are? But it, it's not just customer success. It's our sales teams too. Yeah. I guarantee you, if you go inspect your sales process, your demos, if, if you as a customer success leader, go do that, you will be appalled at what you see. 
in most cases, in most software companies, you'll be appalled at what you see. If you go watch a random gong call or a course, whatever you use, you'll see feature, feature, feature dump on the customer. I, I, um, uh, I am advising a, a, a startup um, and in the CS space, and he was giving me a demo of the product the other day. And it was, it's a really cool product, really cool product, but it was just like feature after feature after feature. And I said, Hey man, I'm going to, here's my feedback. And I, and I sort of wrote out the story that I think he should be telling about the people that are going to be using the platform and about the outcomes that they can get if they use the platform. And he went and did it in, in the next one. He wrote me back and he was like, dude, use that feedback. Demo went awesome. Like, no, I'm not saying I have the magic keys, but you can see it, right? If, if you if you go look at it from that angle, um, you just see the feature after feature after feature. It's like, well, what are we trying to actually accomplish? If your sales call, if your customer success discovery call, whatever you're doing with your customer doesn't start with, what are you trying to accomplish? Then you've already missed the boat, right? Yeah. And if you're in a competitive market, right, you're going to risk losing the deal anyway to feature function, right? Like, because every other tool. Yeah, does everybody can do this things. stuff. Yeah. So, so let's stop talking about the stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, it also comes back into the, like the, the creep that starts to happen, which is um, the more focused you become, the harder it is to stay there, right? Because you have this creep where I'm focused on delivering X. Actually, Jay, we saw this in our consulting business, right? It was really hard for us at some points. But we got really good at, at walking in and saying, we're going to come help you do X. And people would say, well, I need Y. And at first we'd say, oh, yeah, we can do a little bit of Y. Like, we'll, do, we'll go do that with you. And then we realized, like, no, we got to stay with X. And then, you know, that's really hard, though, because when people are sitting there almost like putting money in your face, it's really hard for you to turn that down. And so then you start to think, oh, maybe I should put that on my website. Maybe I should know a little bit more about that. So you got to have really good focus and clear. And I think that comes back to the idea of, like, who's setting the tone from the organization and who's setting the clarity and the focus that says, sure, we can take a dollar here or there, but like we need to have core messaging and we need to like bring these things back into, um, we're focused on X, Y, and Z because this is the business opportunity and here's, here's where we're gonna focus and win more often than not. That is such a good point. One of my favorite books of all time, I've mentioned it before probably on the podcast is, is the sales acceleration formula. And it, it's a sales book, right? And it's written by the guy who is the, chief revenue officer at HubSpot as they were going through their big growth curve. And the, uh, the comment he makes in that book at some point is, if you want to see the strategy of any company, just go look at the sales comp plans. All the, if you think about it, it's all driven by sales comp plans, right? Because where the, whatever you're rewarding for bookings is what you're going to sell. It doesn't matter if it's good business, bad business, inside of the ideal profile of the customer you're looking to win or not. So, I think you gotta, oh, that's actually a good segue into your, your thing, uh, Chrissy, I just noticed, but that, that, that is, um, you, you, to your point, Jeff, you've got to, you know, stay focused on those things. And, and if you're not working for a company that's got that level of focus on a market, then you're gonna have challenges in terms of what kind of business comes in and what it looks like, because you're, you're chasing everything. So yeah, we, we did struggle with that a lot. And I think we were starting to figure it out there at the end, but I'm sort of glad we got out of the consulting business. So <laughs> fine with that. Um, all right. Well, I like it. So we'll, we'll drop this article in the show notes. Um, but I think the, you know, I think the, the short end of the stick here is that um, need to be thinking of outcomes as the product 
and how software is helping to enable that customer success is um, in that formula and equation as well. And so how do you make sure and, and articulate that to customers um, driving down the, the focus and clarity though of, of outcomes? Maybe we can get Jeff Moore on the pod. If anybody, if anybody knows Jeff Moore and would like to put in a good <laughs> yeah. word for us, we'd love Jay, to have you. You're him. charming. Just drop a note. Yeah. Just yeah. be a fan girl and see if you can get him Southern, to join us. Southern charm goes a long way. I think Christy might be better coming from you. But, uh. <laughs> I guess I should dust off the book though and read it first and then do the outline. Yeah, at least, at least read the book. Um, all right, Christy, you've got, you've got something next um, that I think we wanted to talk through. So um, who looks like you've got a leader that's inspired you recently. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I don't think that this person isn't inspiring anybody in our space particularly, but Yamini over at HubSpot, the new CEO at HubSpot. I think, obviously for me, I'm, I've been following her background for a while, watching the things that she's been doing, right? She's been at some really notable companies doing great things, um, you know, Workday and others. And the transition that she most recently made from the chief customer officer to CEO at HubSpot, I think is particularly interesting to me. I mean, not only is she a female leader, uh, an immigrant, right? Like she's got all of these really interesting things about her as an individual and as a human, but I'm interested to see how you make that transition from a chief customer officer as to a CEO and what that's going to do to the business. So I think, you know, aside from being highly inspired by her as a, as a person, um, I'm interested to see what that transition looks like. Because I think we've seen so many different roles move into CEO roles. Um, I don't know that we see this as often. And so to see this at a, at a company this large, this size, um, I'm interested in seeing what are some of the changes she's gonna put in place. And so we talked about, right, sales comp plans and all these things, like how do you continue to put the customer at the center of what you're doing? Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that she's going to make some big changes there. Not that I think HubSpot needs them, but it'll be interesting to see what those changes look like. So she's somebody that I'm, I'm watching right now. Um, Want to see what's, what's next for her. Yeah. She, so there's two things that um, I've, I've followed her a little bit as well, just because I think Jay, Jay and I had a crush on HubSpot for a while in terms of like their content strategy. <laughs> like they've just done it such a good. They do have a great content strategy and they've... probably more content than I've seen of a lot of brands put out. Go read the book. Sales yeah. acceleration formula. It explains the whole thing. It's um, but, and so, you know, I've, I've kind of um, just known about her just when, since she's been there, she, she's really active on medium.com. If you ever uh, like read some of those things yep. and she's got some good, good posts. Um, one recently is the customer experience playbook, which um, I thought was pretty, pretty good. And we'll, uh, we'll try and link that in the, the show notes as well. Um, she was just also on a, um, I just saw her on a LinkedIn live somewhere, I think, or a, a LinkedIn video. And um, listening to her talk about some of the um, things that she was doing inside of the, the organization, you know, it, a lot of it just came back into, uh, like you said, like the things we've talked about today, like sometimes I think we overcomplicate it and she just got back into like, how do you reinforce um, some of the, the, the same things that we know need to happen? So um, how do we make sure and understand the, the customer's outcomes really well? Um, and we understood that because they had a very specific uh, use case, they had a very specific target customer. And she related back to that actually multiple times, which is why I think it was a nice segue from our, our last conversation. She talked about, you know, a lot of our customers are seeing very similar problems and it's because we had that focus and clarity. So that made us better at organization because now we could essentially bring those experiences from up and really plug, plug those in elsewhere. Um, she talked about that quite a bit. And then the other thing that I think she uh, talked about was 
she had, she actually had worked in sales organizations previously. So she actually, the, the idea of like you were just bringing up Christy and I think Jay was just about um, comp plans and um, you know, how, how that stuff is structured. And I think just bringing a mentality of um, I think more formulaic data and approaches inside the organization to make business decisions is something that she talked about a bit, right? Like sales has very clear formulas. They've got funnels, they have metrics, they have all this stuff. And so she said, coming into the customer org, that's, you know, she was thinking about how to kind of level that part up. How do, how can we make better, better business decisions? Um, and she said, she kind of brought a lot of that from her sales experience. So I thought those are a couple of good points uh, that I heard her talk about recently that resonated with me. That's awesome. I mean, I think what's to be true, right, is especially on that last point you just made is the access to the data. And so being able to, to articulate what works and what doesn't, I think that's why sales teams are so successful, right? They just know if you do one, two, and three, it works, right? It'll get you the next meeting. It's going to get you to the, the next stage in that sales process. I don't know that we've been so formulaic with how we think about customer success. So I love that that was the approach that she took. I think it's something more of us should be more methodical about. I think probably the challenge we have is that, you know, things don't always look the same. Customers behave differently when they are customers. Uh, and so you've got all these other factors to, to consider. But I think if we've got better access to data, right, that suggests, hey, if we do X, Y, and Z, these are the outcomes we start to see. And this is how we can build successful customers. These are how, you know, we, we don't build successful customers. I think leaning into that, those insights and being more formulaic about how we approach customer success is, is it doesn't seem like rocket science, but for some reason, we've not done a great job of doing that. We think we hypothesize a little bit more than we should. Well, it's it's not one clear funnel either, right? To your point, there's so many variables. Yep. I think it it gets, it paraly it can paralyze teams. It's paralyzed us before, right? In, in the way we've tried to put things together at Higher Logic and, and other companies I've worked in. It, it can be paralyzing just to all the different data points. So you have to really try to understand what actually matters yep. and do that. I think to your point, I mean, we're getting a little off topic of Yuming yeah, here, but um, you have to have strong data analytics capability inside the house. So you can look at things and, and constantly be asking questions and figure out, okay, what matters? So we actually just hired a, a BI person for our CX ops team that I'm really excited about. Oh, that's a big um, win. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we actually, I mean, we did it. We didn't have to go ask for incremental dollars or anything to do it. We just shifted around budget inside of my organization because we have 160 people and surely we can, we can give up something to go get the analytical horsepower that we need. So really excited about that, but I think that that's going in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And I think back to your point, Jay, like the thing that's um, stuck out to me recently is that businesses need better line of sight to make decisions. Like we need to be able to have predictability and understand what's coming in the door in order to make those decisions. And so, um, like you said, thinking about what really matters and if you need anything, what matters at the end of the day is like dollars in the door. How many, how many dollars yeah. do we have? Like it all, I mean, as much as we want to go measure, like you said, as much as you want to get complicated and bogged down in what activities are teams doing, what's happening over here, like, I think the best thing and the earliest thing that you can do as a leader in, in your CS organization is say, I'm going to go build the best retention renewal analysis that is repeatable, scalable, approachable, and durable. Um, and if you do that alongside your finance partner, like you're going to get a really easy win or not easy. It's probably hard to go do all the numbers, but you're going to get a, a win early on where now we've got better line of sight. So, um, 
now when you walk into meetings, you you actually understand what's coming ahead the next couple quarters enough to make a decision that says, yes, we can hire this person ahead or no, we need to hold off. And that, that can be um, a struggle because I know, you know, and Christy, I think you've talked about this before too, right? CS teams always struggle to get headcount or struggle to get technology or resources because like, you know, we need to be, we need to know what's coming down the line in order to get that. And sometimes it's been hard for people to, to make those decisions. So um, I just think that's a, a big point. One, one thing that sticks out, if you look at um, Yemeni's background is she spent time in sales, um, in corp dev, in operations. And, and I think the one thing, one piece of advice that I received in my career years ago is at some point you have to go hold a bag, right? You have to go sell something. You have to be responsible for revenue somewhere. And if you can do that in your current customer success role, even if it's not part of your job description, make it part of your job description. I think to your point, Jeff, to have command over the, the numbers, the, the revenue that you're responsible for. Hello, Gang Gertain. This is Jeff. You might be listening to the show today for many reasons. Maybe you're looking to learn something new. Maybe you're looking to listen to a speaker that you love, or maybe you're driving and the co-pilot has control of the radio. Whatever the case is, I wanted to tell you about HubSpot's CRM platform and some new pieces that improve the customer experience. First, customer intelligence tools that help your teams get real-time insight into calls through automatic recording, transcription, and analysis. Think about the types of conversations and coaching that you can do with your customer teams. Next is easy share meeting links, which let your customers see availability and book meetings with you, all from the HubSpot platform. The last, improved data hygiene, and that always is needed in a CRM platform. So learn more about how you can transform your customer experience with a HubSpot CRM platform at HubSpot.com. And make an impact on it and think about the business. Yes, you're going to think about the customers. Yes, you're going to think about the team. But ultimately, if you want to grow your career, think about the business and contribute to all three of those things. It's a big, a big, powerful, you know, thing to hang your hat on. Gets back to the outcomes thing that we talked about initially. You know, understand what outcomes you're impacting as an individual contributor, as a leader, and with your customers. I like it. All right. Uh, go go on to bring to the table, Christy. Yeah, that's good. Um, all right, next one. I, I threw up a company that's impressed me. Um, I just saw some stats. They went public earlier this year, I think. I forget the actual date, but uh, let me I can run through this quick. And then I'm gonna read you a, a, a excerpt from their S1, which is why I thought this company is interesting. Um, so Braze, I've, I actually had never heard of Braze before, but- Me neither. Uh, they're big in New York, so that's why I'm familiar. Okay, so if, if I had to equate it, it's kind of like a engagement tool. Uh, they have like automation sequences. You can kind of plug your um, uh, your tools into it and you know, you can make, you can make better engagement with customers in a more automated fashion in a triggered way. So um, they have 223 million in ARR, which is 55% year over year growth, 125% net retention, which is the thing that triggered me. Um, and I think they, they basically got uh, during their IPO um, 520 million. And so one of the things as I was just going back, um, I like to do this. I'm, I am um, a nerd in, in and of itself. So I like to go read like S1s and I just find like public disclosures, that type of stuff, just particularly interesting. Um, so one of the things that they had in their S1 as a competitive strength, and this is why I thought it was, um, why it was cool, right? Com there's a couple of competitive strengths that they put in here. So that I thought would be fun to just talk through and get your approaches on. But one is um, 
they listed as a competitive strength, a cross-channel approach, which enables customer-centric experiences. So they're building a more complete picture of the customer and drawing insights from data to inform strategy, enabling brands to tactically deploy channels. So they're actually thinking about this from their customers' outcomes. They're making their customers more customer-centric by building experiences in that way, uh, which I thought was just interesting that they had, again, as a competitive strength. Um, they have things in here like rapid time to value uh, that they've tried to drive down um, value props across the org, high performance. But the one, other one that caught my eye was um, customer engagement ex expertise and highly engaged community. Um, and so they had mentioned that really they had put in here how their customer success teams enabling individuals across a wide spectrum of industries, yada, yada, um, that that was really important to them. And then as of July, they had over 3,000 community members on something called Braze Bonfire to exchange ideas. They have Braze Firebrands, which is an advocacy group of over 300 customers. But I just thought it was really interesting in a public disclosure document of a company going public that they listed as a competitive strength, how they've built customer-centric experiences for their customers and how they're also thinking about customer engagement um, and customer success as like something that they've focused on. You know, they tout their advocates, they tout their community, they tout their references. So like, I just thought that was really interesting to see in a public disclosure. So I don't know if that triggered anything for you all, but I thought that was just pretty cool. I mean, I think you'll see more of that. Like, I, I think that the, it's huge, right? I mean, putting, being able to make your customers successful. I mean, that's what we're all, that's what we're all aspiring to do. Um, so why wouldn't we talk about that, right? That's what's driving their business. It's, it's what, it's all those things. That's why they have the 125 net retention, right? So um, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that it's there. Congratulations and kudos to them for, for putting so much focus around it. And I think it's something as we all, again, see and know, right? There's a lot of value in these efforts and these initiatives. We just got to, I know it's always prioritization, right? But maybe we need to start thinking about things that are going to yield this type of upside. It's like core and fundamental to the way they operate the business, right? You can tell, um, Thanks for putting this in here, Jeff. I went and bought a few shares this morning just to see what it does. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, $6 billion company. The interesting thing, the thing that caught my eye is that, you know, they have a Slack community. And so, you know, obviously, you know, there's probably ways to expand upon that. So that's, that's what caught my eye, selfishly speaking. Jay's like, I'll be reaching out to Brazen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if yeah, anybody, exactly. you know, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but no, I mean, super, super cool company. I love to see these, these SaaS companies that are growing at this pace because they're going to, they're going to take the entire, like some of these plays are like, there's a one, there's a, there's a lead horse that wins the whole thing. Right. And, and so if you go look at someone like Braze, I mean, for, for what they're trying to do, they may be it right in that category. My question is how big is that category? Like, where can they go from here? Are they, is this a, is this a, you know, $1 billion ARR business or is it, you know, ultimately a half a billion and both are nice, but at some point, like where, where does the growth come from? What do they do next? It felt a little niche to me. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think the, the big thing for them, if you read, if you keep reading further, like they're um, the things that they're looking at are, I think the, a lot of B2C experience, they're powering a lot of B2C experiences at the end of the day, right? You think yeah. about all the e-commerce stores that are out there. You think about all the tools, um, like Shopify and, and what's out there now, how many stores are being created. And so they're, I think they're enabling B2B, they're, they're selling to B2B, but then they're, at the end of the day, they're selling B2B to C at the end B2B of the day. C. Yeah. 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 So. But, but my, I guess my point is like, there's, and it, we don't have to get into it, but like, 
how many of these big brands are there? Is that there? Because they're going to have to go down market and they're going to have to own the whole thing. Maybe that's what yeah. they're doing, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's inevitable in SaaS. That's what you do. Christy, I like the one you threw in Thank here you. too. Uh, you want to give us a, an overview of uh, Speckit? Yeah, so I actually had the privilege of meeting Melanie, who's their their CEO, for breakfast a couple of years ago when the company was much smaller. I think even before they had raised their first um, their first seed round. And this March, they actually took their Series A for for twelve point seven million two female founders, but really their focus is around turning enablement on its head. And we've all talked about this. And I know it's something that pains you guys, it's paining me, but how do we enable our employees better? So what their technology does is it plugs into any technology you have. So let's think about your tech stack. You're able to take how you want your teams to use that technology and power your playbooks, your processes into the technology. So Think about it. If you're in a tool today, right? If I'm using something, they probably have given me some like walk me tutorial and it's like, well, okay, but that's how they're advising me to use it. But that's not my strategy. That's not the way that I as a leader want my team to use something. Speckit actually just says, scrap what your products are telling you to do. Instead, you're going to go and tell your employees how you want them to use it. And so all that enablement is built right into the tools, into the workflows. So it's not even, you know, training as kind of like a modular set up, it's really like as they're doing something, it tells them what to do next, right? So it's prescriptive in the workflow, which I thought was super cool. And just as we think about our technology stacks and how they're growing so rapidly, how do you make sure that everyone knows how to use effectively all the tools they have at their disposal? So that was some of the stuff that like I'm stuck at, I was super impressed by. They were also at Saster. Um, and so I was, I was glad to see them there. And I, I caught up with Melanie for a few minutes. But I, I think they're going to be doing some really disruptive stuff. They started off on Salesforce, which was smart. Um, just think about how customizable Salesforce is. So you can't even use a tool like a WalkMe yeah. or like a kind of in-app guide because it's so configurable, right? So they basically have deployed their technology with that in mind. Is like everyone's got a custom tech stack that does what they need it to do. How do you train and enable and make sure that every single person who is an end user is using it the right way? So, so Chrissy... Basically, what you're saying is with WalkMe or Pendo, any of these in-app guided user experience kind of things like that's that those experiences are usually developed and deployed by the person, the company who makes the software, Correct. right? So yeah. we use Higher Logic, for example, would deploy Pendo and we'd have a guided walkthrough for how to do some function in the product. What you're saying is this is unique to every customer that uses it and they get to go set that up based on correct how you're it. not like so no no longer is higher logic telling the end user how to use the product me as your customer is actually telling my employees how to use the product so, so, so it's almost like it, flipping it on their head right like it's my own version of an in-app guide tutorial right. that's going to tell my employees how to go and use it effectively but like i said it takes it a step further all of your playbooks and your strategies in it so it's not even like click yep. here to do this it's actually telling them what to do and when to do it. Yeah, like the example that I that resonated with me about this was, was basically like looking at, I think you were mentioning it, Christy, but like a Salesforce opportunity record, you know, like there's the generic one that I go look up on salesforce.com and it's like, okay, this has never been used, right? Like this is like the most standard fields and it's like three fields and then they say, oh, press done. And then it's like, wow, like you've created a, an opportunity. Whereas like my company has, customized the opportunity record. So now spec it helps me understand what are those fields? Why do I have to fill them out? Um, which order of operations? How do we go through the opportunity workflow? Like all of that is now powered by spec it 
in it's installed in our higher logic Salesforce, Salesforce instance. instance. Correct. Really so cool. if, if I if I'm the 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 comp if I'm Salesforce in that instance, then my onboarding program has to include me walking you through how to build your enablement content into Specket. I don't know necessarily because I would feel like you would set up your Salesforce instance first and then after you've built it, now your ops team or your enablement team is going to want to focus on, great, now how do we roll this out to our end users? And this is where they might then now deploy Specket and build out all of their process and then enable the team through that. So who would be, it, it, the interesting thing is who is the buyer of this product, right? Is it, is it driven Anybody by- Anybody who owns software. Well, no. So the so the buyer would be like enablement teams internally. So our sales our sales yes. or revenue ops team would that's be that's what I was getting at. Yes. Yeah, our sales ops team would be buying this in order to essentially um, speed up and or make more effective the training and enablement for their sales reps. So how do I get a sales rep basically to get onboarded quicker to reduce the time to value for an employee onboarding to my organization? So, so if we stick with the Salesforce example, then Salesforce doesn't have to integrate this in. Oh, no. Okay, that's the part that I was missing. That's, no. in, that's, it's, that's as an end user, you're deploying it into your instance, and they've got in like, like they integrate with like they've got a list of all the products they integrate with, and it's of course it's all the big ones that are highly configurable. And okay. basically, so think about it this way. Think about it this way too, which is um, a way that might resonate with you, Jay. Is um, essentially it started as a Chrome plugin. Yeah, that sits in your browser, and when you go to Salesforce.com, it basically knows that you're on Salesforce.com, and then it's like reading that. And so um, they really deployed it as a, a, I'm pretty sure a Chrome plugin first. And then now they're, what I would imagine is now they've got enough um, customers and companies using it that their next strategy is probably figuring out how do I go build tighter integrations with these companies that isn't just through a Chrome browser, it's through yeah. various other ways. Yeah. It's that a really, really cool idea though. Cause I think it's, I mean, I think to your point earlier, Christy, like everyone focuses on the enablement and engagement of an end user um, or like our customers and I don't think anyone's really focused a lot of time and attention onto employee, like a lot of the HR tools, right, are geared towards just common HR practices. And then a lot of the engagement tools are geared towards customers. And then there's this small gap and window where you're like, hey, could we reduce time to value for an employee onboarding? And this is where they fit into that spectrum. And the HR tools are terrible. <laughs> face it. Sorry if, if you work for an HR tech company, like, but they're not good, right? I mean, they're like, usually bundled in with the uh, with some HRIS system and it's I I, I know because I used to work for one so. <laughs> um, all right well we've got like I don't know a couple minutes left you want to jump into uh, opening up the kimono which is kind of like what are you working on now does anybody want to um, jump in maybe and talk about something they're working on I'm happy to do it or if you guys want to jump in I feel like mine's going to be too long for the eight minutes we got Christy you want to go or do you want me to go you go first. I just did stack right. it. So um, something that we're working on now is just, you know, how do we um, go and communicate with our customers just about the, the access to self-service resources that they have? Like, I think it's one of those, those things that um, we kind of gloss over, right? We, we almost sometimes assume that customers know that those things exist just because they're on a site somewhere. And how do we go back and actually build strategy and campaigns that reinforce the value of those things. So we have a knowledge base that you have access to. We have support resources. We've got academy and training. We have a community. So like you just think about the depth and breadth of those things. Um, and I think that's something that I'm working on right now is just 
Um, how do we more effectively go communicate? We have self-service resources that exist. Here's what each of those are. Like, here's why they're there and what you should be using them for. Um, and how do we go reinforce those um, as valuable to the customer in a way that they can in engage with us? So that's just something that we're working on now. I think, you know, you look at it and I, I think um, most companies, I would say, or most SaaS companies gloss over this part a lot. Just be, I mean, I've been customers of many, right? They just kind of assume like once you hit a landing page, hey, just go to support.whatever.com and, um, you know, that's what you have access to. And so I think, how do we just go back and reinforce um, a number of those things? But to me, the, the most important part of what I'm working on now is um, we have many self-service resources. So trying to boil that down into like why it's there and why you would go there and what value you're going to get from it is something challenging because you're trying to get that into a very short statement. Like, how do I tell you why to go to support? How do I tell you why to go to academy? How do I tell you why to go to knowledge um, and when to go there? Like, that's just trying to figure out a very simple way uh, to articulate that to customers is hard. <laughs> You've left Christy and I speechless, which is hard to do. Rare, right? But no, Rare. I, I, have a, I have a thought on this. I, I think um, the, the first part of this is training your team internally so that they know, because I can tell you right now, if you, and I'm like opening up the kimono here, which is like the the title of this section, Andrew Marks would love that, by the way. Um, the, the, if you go ask different parts of our organization, like where they should be sending customers for what things need to be solved, you're going to get different answers, right? And so what, what I think we've got to do a better job, and I think what every company is, as it grows, like that's the number one challenge is, is making sure your team's all saying the same thing. Yeah. Even then in things like your sales collateral and your CS uh, or your implementation team onboarding materials and your CS transition uh, presentations or decks and any email communications, it's all saying the same thing. So it's like the, the collateral around these moments and it's making sure that the team is consistently trained so that they're just doing it consistently and sending people. Because the problem is if it's one, one person or one team who's sending out all these communications to customers, there's still, in our case, 400 other people saying potentially different things to customers and, and being confused themselves about where to send customers. So I think it starts internally. Definitely. That's that's a big part uh, we're working on now, internal enablement. Chrissy, what, any thoughts from you? on? Well, that actually dovetails exactly into what my fo focus and priority right now is. So um, there's two things that I'm working on right now. One kind of leads into the other. So the first thing is we're doing our customer success virtual summit, sadly not in person live this year, um, but bring the teams together to do our 2022 planning. So we've got three days worth of content around everything from how do we help build their, their, you know, career paths and everything at client success to what are the things that we want to do as teams to drive the business forward in the next year? And then how do we help uh, our customers, right? So we're kind of, each day has a theme, um, starting with the employee first. And so I think a big part of that though, is dovetailing into what my other priority is, which is employee enablement program for 2022. What does that look like? What is the appropriate way to, to manage this? It's got, you know, as I think about customer success, right, it starts with employee success. So if I can help make sure that all of our employees are saying the right things, they're doing the right things at the right time, um, we can, hopefully we'd have better data so we can get more programmatic about how we determine what's working, what's not working, but also just to make sure that we are all um, 
kind of marching in the same direction towards helping our customers. So just trying to figure that out. So I've been putting together a calendar of different topics. What is the content? Um, what are the different repositories and tools I want to use to support that? Uh, you know, different forums, who drives what, who's going to be responsible for different topics? How do we distribute the ownership across the org, right? It shouldn't all just be me. I don't have a team of 160 like Jay, so <laughs> I don't have resources to steal from. All of my resources are me. So, um, you know, but how do I delegate responsibility based on what people are interested and excited about, right? So some folks are really excited about the, the thought leadership around customer success, great. How do we have them own some of the, the enablement about, around that? Other people are more technically inclined and so maybe they wanna own product enablement internally. So wanna figure out where each of the, the strengths lie and interests lie for each of my teams and then kind of divvy that up and kind of take on this project together as a team. I like that, um, that idea a lot. The, when you think about enablement, are you, um, that's, that's also, are you thinking about enablement from other teams on how they're like, are you thinking about also like how does customer success impact other teams? And then how do those other teams impact customer success where like you all know what's happening? Or are you just thinking like enablement for you to make sure that your, your teams are doing the right activities and doing the right things? So we've got to start somewhere because um, this has not been a priority and a focus. So right now I'm starting within our organization. So that's customer success support and consulting. So across our three arms, right? How are we all being enabled and how does the enablement transcend to the different functions? Because things are still relevant, but how we go about learning them, what we need to learn, the depth of that knowledge, right? It might vary from group and function. So I'm starting with my organization first, then we'll figure out how do we bring in other teams to work with us. You know, this past year, we've done a lot to collaborate with sales um, and that will continue and, and product as well. But I think we need to be more structured about what that looks like in the future. Cool, I like it. Um, all right, we just ended right here and one minute left. Um, so I like it, we went through a couple companies that we liked. We went through a leader um, that was out there, the article from Jeffrey Moore. We hit on uh, a couple of things that we're working on. So today was a full episode and uh, I like the new format. We can we can probably find ways to chop it up a bit, but I like the uh, I like the flow at least. Yeah, if, if I would say too, if people could send us feedback, if you listen to this and you have ideas or thoughts or feedback on, on the format, we'd love to hear it. So good, bad, ugly, and leave us a review as well. That always helps get Gangra retained more exposure to other CS professionals. Cool. All right. We'll see you guys right. next time. Have a good day, y'all. All right, guys. Take care. Bye. Hey guys. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.